Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt, and today we are jumping into a new series of talks entitled Re-Understanding Heaven and Hell. We're talking about the afterlife. We're talking about what comes next. And as you can imagine, there are more questions than there are answers with a series like this. But I think it's a conversation that really matters. However, before we jump into it, I need to mention something that's coming up that I hope you would be able to be a part of, particularly if you have kids. We're doing something as a CMYK community that we simply call The Art of Parenting at the Art of Play. It's a long title, but I think you understand what we're doing. The Art of Play is a kind of local... Uh, fun zone for kids, if you will. And uh, what we're doing is we're renting out the space on Monday, October 22nd, which is next Monday, from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. for just p.m. for just open play with kids. It's really, really fun for kids to enjoy. But more than that, what we're doing is this thing called The Art of Parenting, where our kids director, Jenny Barkak, who is amazing, if you haven't met her, uh, she's going to be on hand and she's going to be interacting with the kids and interacting with us as parents. And us parents get to interact with each other and just have a great time talking about this thing called parenting and uh, maybe pick up on some things and observe some things and have conversations about things that would be helpful in this work called being a parent. So obviously that's not for everybody, but if you are a parent, particularly if someone uh, with a kid that's five years or younger, this event is going to be for you and for your friends. And so make sure to please uh, get some invites out there and help us get some people there to just enjoy a great evening, uh, picking up and learning what we can from I think one of the best people on planet Earth to talk into this thing called parenting. Jenny Barkak is going to be there uh, to help us out. So again, October 22nd, 5.30 to 7.30. Uh, You can head to our website and find out more information and get everything that you need to know. So we hope to see you there. All right, jumping into this talk series, Re-Understanding Heaven and Hell. Here's the question. What happens when you die? I think this is a question that many of us have wrestled with at one point or another in our lives. As many of you know, um, my brother passed away a couple months ago, and the months leading up to his death, I found myself sitting with him and having multiple conversations about this kind of concept, what happens when you die. And it's these kinds of conversations, honestly, that it ended up being more questions than there are answers many times. Questions like, okay, so when you die, do you just close your eyes and go to sleep and that's it? Or do you close your eyes and all of a sudden you see Jesus? If you do, what does Jesus, he, look like? Do you see light? Do you feel warmth? Is it just you and a bunch of strangers, potentially, when you enter into what's next? Because everybody has these new bodies, and so all of a sudden, you have no clue who's who, but you're in this different place. Or is it a smaller group of people around you that you're kind of isolated, or do you recognize everyone around you? Is your family with you? And maybe it's family that has passed and uh, you are joining them, or maybe is time this construct that doesn't exist in the afterlife. So all of a sudden, instantaneously, everyone is together in the same place at the same time. Or do you have to wait for those that haven't passed, wait for them to pass? Do the people that are there in the afterlife get to watch and witness and be a part of what's happening here on planet Earth? Or... 
are they focused on something else and something different that they don't even know what's happening here on earth? Or for me, as a little kid, one of the most important questions I had about the afterlife was, is there Nintendo there? <laughs> as you can understand, these, these are questions that no matter what religion, no matter what belief system, no matter what place on earth, or really what place within the timeline of human history, these kinds of questions continue to rise to the surface of what happens when you die. And there's religions all over the world. In fact, most religions have some kind of language or some kind of story and narrative that speak to, speaks to what happens when you pass. And specifically, within Christianity, those two things revolve around the title of the series. There is heaven and there is hell. That heaven is this place where the redeemed go. It's the good place. It's where you want to end up. And there is hell. That's where the unredeemed go. It's the bad place. And what I know is whether you consider yourself a Christian or not, these two words of heaven and hell, they carry a lot of baggage with them. They carry a lot of image and story with them already. That whether it's through poems that you've experienced or stories, dramas, or whether it's through a church that you grew up in, there's already some kind of basic understanding or thoughts about what heaven or hell is. And for some of us, these thoughts about heaven and hell are actually kind of a deal breaker because maybe the story of the narrative you've heard about heaven and hell is nothing that resonates with you, doesn't feel true and you don't connect with. So there's this part of you that's like, man, I, I don't know that I want anything to do with this kind of belief system in general because of the language of the afterlife. It's just something I don't really get and I'm not into. And so it's almost this exit ramp out of faith and belief. But whatever kind of narrative and whatever kind of story that you hold, what I want to do this week is I want to talk about and point to the scriptures and try to do the unsettling work of saying, there's the potential that whatever kind of language or narrative you hold, that maybe the scriptures have something different to say about it. And this is incredibly unsettling, not only personally, but it's unsettling, particularly within Christianity here in the U.S., because to poke the box and to challenge heaven and hell in any kind of way, whatever that narrative is that you're holding, can feel like heresy, can feel like a really negative and dark path to go down. So don't do that. But I think it's important for us to do and I hope you see why as we move through this series and talk about it. But this week, to simply point out and say, okay, here's some different ideas or thoughts that the scriptures actually point to and talk about that we've got to wrestle with if we're going to have an honest conversation about heaven and hell and re-understanding these things. And knowing that these are so unsettling, what we've done is we've created just a, a short little study guide that all of these things that I'm about to talk about, they would have scriptures to back up these thoughts or these ideas and that you personally would be invited to go and look them up and read them and talk about them and have conversations about them. So if you're interested and want to go deeper at all in any of these things, I'd encourage you to head to our website, cmykcommunity.com, and you can find the download link for that short little study guide and maybe do some of your own research and understanding. Because ultimately what we see is that the scriptures talk about, yes, a place called heaven or paradise. It's a place that instantaneously, potentially, when you die, you go. And that we know that this is a good celebrated thing. But heaven is not the end-all be-all. There's also this narrative in this language within the scriptures of something called the new Jerusalem or a new heavens and a new earth. That, it, that at some point in this planet, there would be something new and fresh and different that comes and that that would be the final dwelling and resting place for the redeemed. 
Now, what we know is whether it's new heavens and the new earth or whether it's this concept of heaven, these are things that are not super controversial for most people because within Christianity, if you're in heaven, you're just happy to be there. You're just excited about it. It's like you got free ice cream. You're not going to complain about what kind of ice cream that it is. And so for many people, the concept of heaven is not a really controversial thing. It's just like, I'll just take it. I'm excited about it. I think I'm winning if I'm going to heaven. So giddy up, let's do that. But when we start talking about hell, or the bad place. This is where controversy really starts to rise to the surface. And we see there's a lot of conversation here today, but there's been so much conversation for the last few thousands of years within Christianity. Because there's these different ideas like infernalism. Infernalism is basically trying to point out and say that there might be a physical place or a spiritual place where there is extreme eternal torment that the bad people go and they have to pay for who they are and what they've done. And this is, for many of us, the story or the narrative that we've grown up with. It's a very powerful thing to think, I better do the right things, or I'm going to go to hell, this eternal torment, or I better not do the wrong things, or I'm going to go to this hell, this eternal torment. And so, again, Many of us, we just continue to see and believe that. And for some, it's been a strong motivator for us to live a certain way, to be a certain way, to show up at a certain place on a Sunday potentially, because we don't want to end up in this kind of hell. But this is not the only picture that's painted or the only understanding that's brought to what hell is or could be. Within the scriptures, there's also this thing called annihilationism which is essentially communicating that there would be a full stop to the existence of the unredeemed. And whether that full stop is because people are prepared to enter into heaven, so ultimately there is no hell because everybody has this refining fire, if you will, that they go through, and in that refining fire, they find themselves to be redeemed and whole, and so now they get to enter into heaven, or potentially there is no final resting place forever because there is a sentence that's that's executed, if you will, where the unredeemed are just found to be no more. It's not eternal torment. It's just something that happens, not not ongoing agony, but it happens. And then there's only the redeemed left. There are some thoughts and ideas that are presented within the scriptures about annihilationism. Or you find this universalism, which can be a hot button topic in our culture right now. But essentially the idea behind universalism is that everyone is saved and that whether that's because there is no hell at all, or eventually everyone actually makes it to heaven at some point or another, everyone is welcome, that the gates are always open, and everyone is able to come into the presence of God and experience this good place. The truth is, whether it's infernalism, annihilationism, universalism, whether it's heaven or whether it's the new Jerusalem, we just don't know. It's not this black and white issue that many of us have grown up believing or thinking about. It actually gets pretty unclear pretty quickly. And so for many of us, there's this last option that we can find our lives in, and it's just nihilism which is basically, why bother? (laughs) We don't know. Why would I spend time and energy talking and having conversations about this? Why would we spend a multiple week series uh, dealing with this thing when we just don't know? And even the Bible is not super clear about what exactly is going on here. So why would we talk about it? Well, what I've found and what I know is the minute that I think I've found the answer to something it's easy for me to move on 
to the next thing, to a different thing. And I'm no longer wrestling or processing that thing before because I found the answer. I'm good. Go on to the next problem. (laughs) Problem solved. Move on. But what I see in scriptures, particularly because of the fact that it's such a gray area and not this black and white area that many of us think it can be, it's an area that's filled with more questions and wrestling than it is just, just get the answer right and move on. What that invites me to do is to be someone that is processing, wrestling through, and carrying these ideas and thoughts in my present day here and now. It's not just something to do and move on from, but something that I continue to process and deal with. And I believe that this is a good thing. I believe it's a good thing because I understand my tendency to be somebody that has a nearsighted approach to my life. In other words, I wake up in the morning and there are things that are immediately in front of me. And I have a tendency to live my life simply focused on only those immediate needs, what's happening here and now today, the anxieties, the worries, the guilt, the fear, whatever it is, and I just focus there and there alone. And what I believe is beautiful about healthy spirituality And what is beautiful about the work of scripture is the invitation to wrestle through our lives and not just get focused in the immediate needs right in front of us. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but to learn to see our lives and who we are 10 years down the road. And to be focused on that, to be focused on 30 years, 100 years from now, to think about my life after I'm gone, for myself and for the people around me, that there would be a scope that my life has, a far-sighted scope that I'm invited to have, and that I believe this is healthy spirituality, to think about my life in this kind of way and to wrestle through those kinds of things rather than just checking a box, yep, I'm good, I got it, and then moving on, but to continue to process Where's my life in 10 years, 30 years, 100 years, and after I'm gone? That I don't just live a nearsighted approach to what's happening, but I learn to pick my head up and see what could be. There's a text found in the book of Ecclesiastes where the author uh, makes this incredible statement, I think, that uh, has been really important and significant for me in my life. He's talking about God, and he says in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, that he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. There's a couple things within that short verse that I find so profound. First and foremost, he ends it with saying, yet that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. In other words, there's an unknowing about all of this stuff. This isn't about checking a box, finding an answer, and then being done with it. But in the midst of that, to understand that he has made everything beautiful in its time. In other words, there's something beautiful here and now in this time, in this moment, and in this breath. And to recognize that and to see that, to lean into that. And simultaneously, it's not just about this moment, but to understand there's this thing called eternity that's a part of my heart, my soul, and my life. That I naturally, humanity has this intrinsic need to think about ourselves as more than just this present moment and this present breath. So yes, lean into the weight and the significance of this moment, but also understand that our lives, there's a part of our hearts that we desire and see more for ourselves, more for the world around us, more out of 
our souls. It's to change our perspective and to wrestle through that. It's an invitation for me in the midst of this series as we talk about all the gray area and the different things when it comes to heaven and hell, to never lose sight of the fact that there is something right here and right now that is bigger than you or me. And that for thousands of years, humanity has been wrestling with this holy, sacred moment. That there is a breath in your lungs and around. There is a spirit. There is this grace and truth. There is something good and beautiful, glorious and weighty. And I don't want to live my life missing that. This moment the beauty and sacredness of it. To get so distracted by whatever's right in front of me that I miss out on that. And simultaneously to live my life, yes, centered and present in this moment, but to understand that my life, your life is meant for more than just this moment. Your life is meant for more than just those things that are right in front of your face in this moment but that there is something eternal about who you are. And it's something that's been passed down from generation to generation that we are now a part of this story that is bigger than any of us. And it's an invitation to pass down this story, pass down this sacred, beautiful moment to the next generation and the generation after that. To understand that there's a ripple effect to our choices in our lives. And we are not just, just these isolated incidents, but we are invited to be a part of something that continues to go and go and go and go long after we are gone. I believe that the story of Christianity and thinking about the eternity of our heart is an invitation to see that there is something new, fresh, resurrected that's coming. That the end is not the end, but there is new life to be found. And to understand and to lean into this belief and this hope, yes, that there is a time when all will be made right and all will be made new. And I don't want to give up on that. In the midst of this moment, whatever's going on, whether it's a positive thing or whether it's a negative thing, and life is a struggle and things are difficult now to find myself centered in this moment, but to also understand there is a trajectory to this world, a trajectory to the divine around me that I'm invited to jump into that stream and be a part of that. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to be a part of a roundtable conversation about the impact of film on our culture. And it was a fascinating conversation, and, and I was responsible for leading the conversation, so I just let out by talking about my own experience in, in how film has influenced my life, in maybe some negative ways, but also in some positive ways. To understand that I'm at Blakesley, I grew up with a healthy diet of Star Wars and Star Trek. It's just what we ate for breakfast in the morning. <laughs> and that these stories were something that influenced, I believe, the way that I saw myself in the world and the way that I chose to live out every moment. So a story of a Luke Skywalker, a nobody on a, planet, a desert planet, Tatooine, and to find that there was opportunity for him to step out of his nothingness, if you will, to be someone of significance, to bring what he had to the table. And it's in that work that everything was made better and new and different. This is a story, just honestly speaking, I believe impacted me for the better. 
that I saw my life as one that was invited to step out and to do things that would influence and have a positive impact on the world around me. You and I are filled with stories, stories that we tell ourselves and stories that we have been told. And some of those stories revolve around heaven and hell. And the question of this series is how are those stories impacting the way that you're living your life here now in this moment and how you're choosing to see the impact of your life long after you're gone? That there is an eternal part of who you are that is designed and meant to be more than just someone that wakes up, goes to work, comes home, goes to bed, and wakes up and does it all over again and again and again. But that you aren't you and I are invited to wrestle through this unknowingness of the afterlife, the unknowingness of what's next, and that that would have a positive impact on our lives. So we start off by asking, what's your narrative and your story about heaven and hell? Do you have pictures and images and ideas and thoughts? Are they positive? Are they negative? How are they influencing the way that you are living in this present moment? How are they influencing the way that you're choosing to see your life in a far-sighted kind of way, the impact and significance of who you are? You are not just a nobody, but there is an eternity that's stamped on your heart that you are invited to be a part of this stuff, whether that's for you or for the world around you, to enter into that. Because what I know is whatever your story is, there's always the invitation to continue to wrestle with it rather than just check the box, move on to the next thing, but to continue to be a part of saying, okay, what is all of this? Okay, how do I live centered in this moment and simultaneously understand the significance of what's coming, whatever that is, and how I get to be a part of that? That's what we're talking about with this series, and that's why I think this series matters. So may you be somebody that breathes deep and understands the sacredness of that breath, the weight and glory of this moment. There is something beautiful in this time. And may you be somebody that doesn't discredit yourself from being a part of this conversation and this wrestling match. And whatever narratives you hold that you would continue to process and go through them, Because ultimately, your life has eternity stamped upon itself. And you're invited in to it. And how you live here and now in this moment.